This is episode 165 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. People talk these days about the relationship between equity and excellence. And in some ways, we're still kind of throwing around the word equity, and we are not always aligned about what we mean by that word. This network, we definitely wanted to offer a way of thinking about, at some depth, these two things. What does that mean when we're talking about classrooms, when we're talking about school buildings, um, when we're talking about whole systems, when we're talking about relationships with the state and with boards, and how do we do that in relationship and in partnership with communities? Once again, let me say good afternoon or morning or whenever you might be listening to the IDRA Class Notes podcast. This is Bradley Scott, and I surely welcome all of you to our podcast series. And by the way, remember you can always access all of our podcasts by going to www.idra.org slash podcast and listen to as many of the wonderful podcasts as we have recorded. But today, I am really excited to be talking to a friend and colleague, Cheryl Petty, who has a company, the Movement Tapestries and Management Assistance Group, and is doing a million other things. But today, Cheryl and I are going to be talking about, once again, the Equity Center Capacity Building Network and the journal, uh, a new publication that a number of us have come together uh, in order to create. Sure, let me uh, say hello to you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Bradley. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And I know you have such a busy schedule, I can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes out to have this conversation with me. Sure, what we're going to do, just so that our listeners will uh, know a little more about who you are and what you do, I want to give you a moment or two to introduce yourself and talk about what you are currently up to before we actually get into a conversation around the introductory article that you did in the Equity Center Capacity Building Network journal publication that we all created. So Cheryl, give us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to. Sure. I have been in the fields of education and equity and systems change um, and organizational development uh, for about 20 years. Uh, currently, I'm a consultant, and I work both with my own firm, Movement Tapestries, as well as an organization called Management Assistance Group, which works cross-sector. So I've worked with school districts, foundations, other consulting firms, nonprofits, all over the country, all over the United States. That is great, Cheryl. And so our conversation is going to center around the publication that we contributed to and created that is available to our listeners. And I want to just spend a little bit of time, Cheryl, first of all, talking about the genesis of the equity-centered uh, capacity building network. How did that all start? I, I can't thank you enough for all of the leadership and inspiration you provided to all of us who are members of this network in getting this started. But where did it start from and why, Cheryl? Yeah, some years ago, I was working and being in conversation with many folks um, in education um, around the country and folks just feeling frustrated with the degree of fragmentation in our work. Um, everybody in competition for resources, you know, just to sort of stay afloat, whether as independent consultants or consulting firms, 
districts themselves, school systems themselves, trying to find, you know, what are high quality resources out there? How do I find, you know, who can help us? And how do I find resources that really understand the depth of what we're facing in terms of issues like race and socioeconomics and gender and ability? You know, how do we find consultants that can help not only with um, aspects that people may be more familiar with, like generic sort of curriculum and instructional practice, but Mm -hmm. when you overlay things like race and power and privilege, who are the consulting organizations that can help with that? So, you know, a number of folks were in conversation and relationship. Some of those were Larry Leverett at the Panasonic Foundation, um, Yvette Jackson from the National Urban Alliance for Effective Education. Um, I had known Elizabeth Kozleski, who used to run one of the equity assistance centers. I'd known her and Shelley Zion for some years. Um, and a number of other folks who, you know, had been crossing one another's paths um, over the years, some of whom knew one another and some of whom did not. We started sure. meeting together on a regular basis and really thinking, how can we leverage our different um, expertise? All these organizations and consultants worked in different parts of the country, some in the South, um, like you all, some on the East Coast, some were on the West Coast. Um, some had done a lot of work in the middle of the country. People worked in different areas. Some worked really on leadership. Some really focused on instructional practice. Um, some were really focused on relationships with boards, others with community, and, and others at the state level. And we started thinking how no one can do it all. No one organization and no one consultant can do it all. Absolutely. How might we join our efforts and just really collaborate and and make sure that we are abreast of what each other is doing so that we can leverage and share resources and tools and expertise and also make ourselves available in a more united way to the school systems and other um, types of organizations that might seek out our support. If we can't do it, maybe we can refer them to one of our colleagues' organizations or or partner together um, to support needs. So those were the kind of things we were thinking about, and it really came out of being frustrated um, on the one hand uh, with having to compete for resources and two, really wanting to find each other because everyone is so busy um, and having an opportunity to just meet and talk with one another and share and learn together really folks found valuable to just sort of pull out of the depth and busyness of day-to-day work. That's great. Sure, one of the things that I have um, been excited about being a part of this network uh, while I was uh, leading the Equity Assistance Center for Region 6 here at IDRA, the South Central Collaborative for Equity, one of the things I just found exciting was uh, these varied resources that were coming together to deal with a common kind of issue and concern about creating systems change uh, that would be sustainable over time and that would impact the quality of education kids receive no matter where they are, no matter the communities they live in, no matter what their zip code happens to be, but how do we drill down to creating great school educational opportunities for them no matter where they are and provide to those who are responsible for creating that educational experience, that is teachers and administrators right there at the local level and in schools and in classrooms, providing them with resources and the right supports that they need in order to to make this happen in this very complex time that we live in, in our public school systems as they find public education in the context of what communities are up to and and what other entities are doing to connect with school systems. 
I just found it very exciting for these very different groups to come together. And so I appreciate your kind of giving us that overview. Anything else that you would add in connection with what I have said or you have said so far? Yeah, I would I would say the other piece uh, that we were coming together around one struggle um, that a lot of folks in the field have been facing. You've heard and, and lots of people talk these days, especially in recent years, about the relationship between equity and excellence right? Um, and, and what really is that. And I have to say, in some ways, we're still kind of throwing around the word equity, and we are not always aligned about what we mean by that word. I agree. And so th- this network, we definitely wanted to offer, you know, particularly with the publication of the journal, a way of thinking about at some depth these two things. What do we mean when we say equity? And what do we mean when we say excellence? What does that mean when we're talking about classrooms, when we're talking about school buildings, um, when we're talking about whole systems, and when we're talking about relationships with the state and with boards? And how do we do that in relationship and in partnership with communities? That was another you know, sort of inspiration for, for what we wanted to and hope to accomplish together. Yeah, and for a person like myself, Cheryl, being an equity assistance center worker member, the way that I have approached it is that uh, you can't even talk really about excellence unless you are also thinking equity. How do we uh, allow all learners to have access to high-quality learning and vice versa? There have been in our history uh, times when the certain segments of the total student population have gotten, quote-unquote, excellent schooling, but it hasn't, been, it hasn't flowed equitably to everyone. And so our challenge is to create systems in which equity and excellence coexist and are are highly connected and that people, in terms of the business they do, don't do it without thinking about both of them in tandem Mm -hmm. where students and families are concerned. Mm -hmm. And I think it's helping people to think about that in a different kind of way, which leads me to another whole issue that's raised in your introductory article in the journal uh, when you're talking about uh, field-building strategies and you focus on communities of practice. There are three that you speak to, and I would just like you to take a few moments, but as much as you can, uh, talk about these communities of practice, equitable, cultural, and relational as one community of practice, uh, structural and technical as another, and functional as another, and how the equity-centered capacity building network can do its work to impact those communities of practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. And this really is the heart of things, again, because, yes, while many people in the field are throwing around these words equity and excellence, without necessarily having a shared picture of what those things mean, we, you know, in the network sort of offer these three buckets or ways of thinking about approaches to practice um, in school systems to help give some texture mm-hmm. um, to what do we even mean by equity and what do we even mean by excellence. So the the equitable, cultural, relational, you know, lots of folks think about, you know, what is the climate like in our buildings and in our relationships with one another in schools? What are the values and beliefs um, that we are moving within? How do those inform um, how we're relating to each other, both um, adults with students, students with students, and adults with adults? Are our um, classrooms in the ways that we are engaging with students culturally responsive? Do they actually, are they grounded in and do they draw on the wisdom um, and intelligence of the communities that students are from? Do we deal with things like power um, and privilege and the politics that are everywhere and everywhere? Right. Are, are those undiscussable elephants? And how do you do those? How do you approach those areas in a really systematic, 
very intentional, highly skilled way. And those in this network know how to do that work very well. The second area on the, the structural and technical, these are areas that I would have to say many capacity builders who are more visible and may receive more funding resources um, because these areas are less, you could say they're less volatile. They are less... Uh, I love the way you put less, that, Cheryl. Yeah, that sometimes they're less politically charged and sometimes right. they're easier to understand. And it's important work. It's not that it's easy work, but it's easier to access because uh, it doesn't necessarily always come with the emotional charge um, that when you're talking about things like relationships and culture and history and power um, comes with. But sure. all of these are important. So, you know, how do we use time? Do How do we reflect on how well we're doing? What are the metrics that we're using to evaluate success? What are, how do we plan? All those are important things, but if they're disconnected from the first area around mm-hmm. culture and relationships, you can't get very far. You'll hit a wall. And the third area, of course, is the, you know, the heart and soul of, of school systems, at least internal and in how they function. You know, what is the nature of curriculum or um, instruction? You know, are we attending to socio-emotional skills for not only young people, but also for us as adults? Are we attending to our own? How do we do professional development and attend to finance systems and communications and assessment? All of those are particular skill sets. Each of these areas are specific skill sets, and oftentimes capacity builders are skilled in one or another and are not necessarily bringing all to bear and don't know how to bring all to bear, but we know that the challenges and the needs and the um, functioning of school systems requires all of these um, to be really high quality. So in a networked approach or a collaborative approach, we can draw on our complementary skill sets so that no one capacity builder has to do all of these, but we can share and we can partner with one another and bring those collective resources to bear. Um, to support better functioning in our school system. Well, we only have a few more moments, uh, Cheryl, but let me ask you, uh, try to get two questions, and one of which is, what are implications of the work that we see as a network uh, from your estimation? Uh, What are some of the implications for teachers and what they do on a day-to-day basis with the students they teach? And for administrative leaders, and these are our two major audiences, they're big, uh, what are the implications for the work they do? in supporting teachers and quality, equitable, excellent education for all learners? I would say two things. In in seeking resources and supports, um, whether they're internal, because many you know systems have highly talented people, not all of whom are necessarily being tapped um, in their expertise in these domains, to really look at and make sure that we're attending to, to all three of these areas, that we are looking at things like history and politics and and culture and relationships, in addition to our typical um, sort of structural areas and how we plan and how we reflect and how we do instruction and curriculum. I would say that both um, for teachers and administrators that we we really make sure to attend intentionally to all these areas and really seek out both inside of our schools um, and school systems, who's got these skills? Um, that we can draw on and, and leverage and bring to bear and share um, across the school and the district. And if there is external support needed to really look at um, what that capacity builder may be providing and what additional needs or gaps and other complementary resources might need to be brought to bear. Because focusing as many capacity building efforts do on those structural dimensions without looking at the other ones mm-hmm. is actually destined to fail and hit a wall. And, and we know this. Um, So how do we look at all these areas simultaneously? 
That's excellent. And Cheryl, in closing, uh, quickly, where do you see us going as a network? What are some of our next steps? I think three things. Um, one is what the journal actually did not cover. It covers many things, um, as hopefully you know your listeners will, will check out um, from classroom and boards and states. We did not look at um, the preparation of educators, you know, and which is a big domain. How do you build um, these more robust skill sets? Um, we didn't look deeply at um, community organizing as a profound and powerful approach that needs to be brought to bear with these sort of inside-out um, perspectives, and it's mm -hmm. a prolific community practice. And the third one is, you know, just deep implications for assessment systems that everyone certainly is trying to figure out now um, with ESSA. Um, the new authorization. Right. Um, so the how, elementary how does, and secondary education. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. How does this um, approach to thinking about quality and competence and equity and excellence, how does this um, more comprehensive approach that this network is offering um, bring to bear on those three areas, educator prep, community organizing, partnerships, and how we think about assessing um, student success? Cheryl, once again, you have just done it. It's just amazing how you can get so much into such a, a small period of time. But I can't thank you enough uh, for the information that you have shared with us uh, today and uh, the work that you did in terms of pulling the uh, journal together. It, it is uh, a great read. I think it has some very exciting uh, ideas that are both uh, administrators and teachers and other educators will want to take in and take advantage of. So thank you for all of that. And once again, Cheryl, I can't thank you enough for your time today. So uh, thank, thank you. you for carving out a few moments for us to have this conversation. And to our listeners, I want to invite you once again to visit us at www.idra.org and look at our, for our podcast series as well as many of the other things we have on our website. Thank you all. Be sure to take care of yourselves. Thank you again, Cheryl. Thank you, Bradley. Thank you. And take care. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.